Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. This is Dan Schrader. I am in Portland, Oregon, uh, Beaverton Podcast Studios, where the mics are hot, the drinks are cold. Uh, wonderful evening. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Uh, Colin, it is Willamette, damn it. <laughs> I actually pronounce it the way the um, the French pronounce it when they settled the region. Willamette. Willamette. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it rhymes with damn it, and that's how you can always remember. Uh, Colin's here. He's in the swamp. What's going on? Oh, it's a good weekend to be in the swamp. It's just uh, 45 and rainy all weekend. Really glad I've got all these days off of work so I can be inside with my toddler all day. It's it's great. Like every day for the last 15 months. Yep. It's awesome. Mike, how's the weather in Minneapolis? It was lovely yesterday. It was a little cold today. Uh, but it didn't deter me from getting out to the racetrack. Uh, yes. We had opening Sunday at Canterbury Park. Your boy went out oh, there. Can't miss it. Can't miss so it. So good. Promptly lost $15. But you know what? As you should. That's that's not a big deal. I can, Part of the I entertainment. Can, I can take that. $15 over four hours is, you know, a price a price to pay to see such beautiful animals. It's well worth it. Well worth it. Not as fun as, you know. Only previous time I've been to a horse track, which was with you three and several other people, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be tough to top that experience. You talk a big game about seeing these beautiful animals, but you wouldn't even go down to the paddock and tell me which one was the shiny one to put all I'm your sc- money I'm on. I'm scared of their beauty. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like your nose. Yep. You can't look at it too closely. It's true. The only time I've been to Canterbury Park, uh, I went to the poker room, $175. I was very happy with that. And... Uh, <laughs> Now I can't go back to Canterbury Park. We yeah. um, that just reminds if me. If I ever go to Chicago, I'm not going to that horse racing track because I won money last time I was there, and I will not go back. Leave I it alone. Yeah. I don't think I'm allowed back in that place. But you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> I don't think any of us. I'm the only one of us who was there that day who's allowed back, so it's not really a problem. I'm at least not allowed on the train to and no, from. None of us allowed on the train. <laughs> not allowed on the metro. Just we, full the entire Chicago. We were metro. looking up um, Google reviews of Canterbury Park yesterday, just kind of for fun, just to see what the people were saying. And uh, as as someone mentioned, as Dan mentioned, there's you know the the horse track, and then there's also some some card games inside. And horse track got you know pretty universally five stars, and the card game area got a lot of good ratings but also got several one stars. And my favorite was I was thrown out. This is what the person said. This is not me. Uh, I was thrown out after having one drink, which is bullshit because the regulars are in there and they're drunk all the time and they never get thrown out. I just thought, wow, what a review. There it is. Yep. Uh, I like how it's like, I only had one drink there. Yeah. I had, <laughs> I had the one drink and the, had and the, the regulars are drunk the all the time. Lot, but I had one drink there. There's like a, a a decent sized apartment complex like right across the street from Canterbury Park, which would just be such a strange place to live. You're living in the middle of nowhere and then also across the street from a racetrack, which I guess maybe if you're like a jockey or something, that's a good place to be. I think Mike, those are the aforementioned regulars. regulars. Right. <laughs> regulars. I mean, Mike, I, uh, I can't find any problems with, with that uh, current location. It's just, it's, I would it's love, not even open every day. there. And the Love season is so there. short. I just, what are you I doing between, the, you know, the tracks October not open every day. April. 
Those card tables are open every day. What are you talking about? You're wild right now. I don't know what I'm talking about. I had a friend who lived uh, about two blocks from the casino in downtown Baltimore. Downtown, but it's uh, whatever that area is where the stadium is. And uh, I remember staying at his place one time. We woke up the next morning. He was like, you want to go get pancakes? Best pancakes in town at the casino. And we walked (laughs) over there. Then we were just like going over to the casino. The same, you know, feeling of. When you wake up in a hot, like a hotel at a casino and you go down and it's like very depressing, except we like chose and we walk there. It was even, <laughs> even worse. How were the pancakes? Above average, slightly above average. I just feel like wow. pancakes are Those such are... a, you can screw them up, but it's hard to, hard to really make pancakes that are going to impress me. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true, but it, it was what was needed, you know, sure. Two block walk. I, I liked it. If slightly above average is the best pancaking town, uh, Baltimore, not a pancake town. Really. <laughs> it's a, really, it's yeah, a waffle yeah. town. We know that. Uh, Palmer's in Portland. Man, I was so close to potting in, in Beaverton Podcast Studios. It, it's, so close. it's almost open. It is almost open. Um, just a, a lovely, lovely weekend. I got to see Dan in person. We watched the Champions League final together. Um went on a really beautiful hike with uh, my wife and, and the in-laws. Um, and now I'm here. So, you know, all good things. All good things. Wow. What are we going to love it? Um, my son very recently has started, you know, it's been a long 15 months, uh, a tight lockdown and not a, not generally a buzzed head guy means the hair has gotten quite long. My son in the last week or so has started calling me daddy McHair. <laughs> Which so good, fair, you know, fair. So not good. even upset. It's just accurate. It's it is. It's just an accurate statement of who I am. I am Daddy McHare. <laughs> uh, who in the soccer world deserves a uh, a blank McBlank nickname? Is the question. Uh, Palmer, what do you got? I mean, we kind of elbowed in on this, or at least my wife elbowed in on this uh, because she heard us um, pre the preamble to the pod. Um, And she decided um, on two. uh, She wanted to give Gareth Bale uh, needed to be um, Gareth McHamstrings because there's a very famous picture of um, Gareth Bale dropping trowel on the sidelines uh, and his hamstrings are tight. Insane. Um, Canterbury Park. His hands look like they should be at Canterbury similar, Park. Similar. Very similar. Yeah. But, you know, Mike wouldn't know because he wouldn't go down to the paddock to see that. Yeah. Um, look, if you had to go up front to see the hamstrings, they're not big enough on the horse. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, and the other one is uh, a player that was featured um, probably a little too late uh, in the Champions League final. Um, one Sergio Aguero, whom my wife fell in love with, uh, Wow, 2013. Um, absolutely loves this man, loves his thighs. So she wanted to go with Sergio McThighs for um, Sergio Aguero. I like that. Great thighs. Colin. Um, you know, in uh, acknowledgement of his, his feats oh, this wait. weekend. What? Wait, we should do this slightly differently. You give us the nickname. We try to figure out exactly who we're talking about. Oh, uh, happy Mick runs a lot. Mm. <laughs> Must be Angola Conte. That's correct. That's correct. It's got to be it. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he just runs so much. He does so much on the field. He 
great. I mean, he wins everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And every time you see him celebrating or winning things, you, you know, you just want to hug him and be like, you seem amazing. You seem like an amazing human. Did you see his, uh, there's video. So, you know, when they're like going through the line, uh, getting their yes. medals and like kissing the trophy. Yeah. And the, uh, I, I don't know, Havertz is in front of him and like grabs the, um, the handles of the trophy and kisses it. Uh, and then Conte comes by and just like taps it. This gives it a little and then, and then walks away. <laughs> it's just like that man is not in it for winning. He's just in yeah. it because he purely just loves. He's in it for the running. He's like, where oh, else can yeah. I just run around for 90 <laughs> yeah. minutes straight? It's just so pure. He, it's just, it's an, so it's pure. just an afterthought that he just wins something every year. Yep. Yeah, he's won like yep. Premier League. With, what is his last five years? Is like Premier League with Leicester, Premier League with Chelsea, World Cup, Europa League, Champions yep. League. Yep. All the titles. But that's just kind of, you know, whatever. Just a thank you from the world for him running a lot and playing he, soccer. I mean, why is he? He's called Happy McRun, McRuns a lot, but he should be called like Happy McWins a lot. Happy. Him. You know, wins runs a lot. Winning is his middle name. Winning, re- winning, Mick runs a lot. I recently learned the. Uh, so this is kind of a long story, but you know, it's a podcast, so <laughs> it's actually not that long. Uh, so my wife and I, you know, during COVID, my my wife really likes to go out to dinner, and obviously during COVID, you can't go out to dinner. So when we would have dinner at home, we would you know try and bring the outside experience to us. So we would you know. Uh, have a candle or she would like find a playlist and so at some point I can't remember what we're eating we must have been eating something French inspired because she found a French playlist French songs so we're listening to it the song comes on I'm like oh I really like this song so I start listening to it on my own it's a French song it's about the Champs-Élysées and I recently learned that there's a a song about Angola Conte to that that same song and it just made me so happy it's just just made me love him even more. Also, I assume that the Champs-Élysées song you're talking about is like the first song that you learn in sixth grade French class. <laughs> and so I love that you're sixth, like, this is my jam. Spanish class, baby. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Champs-Élysées. Yeah, that's that's the one. it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's a good one. Oh, N'Golo Cante. That is I mean, it. It works. That's yeah, it. It works. 100% it. It's excellent. Uh, Mike, do you have a nickname? Uh, I was also going to do something with Conte. Um, I don't know. Swoop. Pep, Pep can be, um, you know, pass. Mick don't win the Champions League finals anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, kind of out of ideas here. Tiki, Tiki Taka Mick is broken. <laughs> yeah, pass Mick. It was always just messy. Ooh. The, wow. For some reason, the one that immediately popped into my head for this is uh, Luis McBitey Bite. <laughs> <laughs> Just I can't believe nobody nobody went with teeth. a nobody went with a hair based choice after even after we redid Daddy McHair. There's a lot of great hair based, you know, David Luis or somebody like that. Yeah, it's true. David Mc Sideshow Bob <laughs> <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Oh, there you go. There you go. Blank McBlank. Uh, there must be some good ones Christian, we're missing. Christian McChampion? Can we do that? Ooh. I assume well, that's what they'll be calling him was, in. I thought this was a secular pod, but I guess not. 
No. Jew- can we do Jewish McChampion? <laughs> <laughs> Muslim uh, McChampion. Yeah, yeah. Cliff, cetera, edit that one out, please. We welcome champions of all faiths. That's right. Uh, Mike, we got an email this week. We got a single email. It's from George. Uh, he says, West Ham got the most points it has ever had in the Premier League. What do they get for this? Uh, they get a spot in the Europa League. Can each pod member make a pitch for why I should care about the Europa League? Where would you put it relative to the domestic league and domestic cups? Man, I was going to ask Ryan, but he has he is just taking a leave of absence. I'm listening. I'm listening. So I He's guess- worried that you're going to ask him about the Europa Conference next. So he's like, nope. Yep. Guys, I'm watch. I'm I'm currently watching my cat trying to pee on our carpet, so I'm trying to figure that out. Um, manage it, manage that. Patty McPee. <laughs> yeah, uh, Patty Mc. Wanted to be dead Palmer, why should George care about the Europa League? Um, I mean, because it's a trophy competition, and it's it's a competition in Europe, so you get midweek games, which are fun to watch. Um, they're exciting. They're fun to get excited for. So, I mean, I listen. I would love to be uh, competing in the in the Europa League as a, as a Spurs fan right now. And instead, I'm in like, I don't even know what I am. What the Conference League? So, I I don't think uh, I don't think George should be turning his nose up at this. This is uh, it's great. It's fun football. The final this uh, this year was was good. Um, and you know, we just talked about N'Golo Conte won a Europa League final could lead to a Champions League final. So yeah, get excited about this. Colin. Yeah. I mean, Everton as an Everton supporter, we were in the Europa League not too many years ago and we as Everton supporters were definitely excited about it because, uh, for the same reason that Spurs fans would have been excited to to take a run in the, in the Europa League because you're a fan of a team that doesn't win things. Like, <laughs> it's a chance to win a trophy. It's better than the League Cup. The last time, uh, I think, the last time West Ham won a trophy that was not uh, winning the championship to get them back into, uh, or winning a playoff or something like that to get them back into the Premier League was uh, the 1981 League Cup. So, the Europa League, to me, is bigger than the League Cup. And even the League Cup, you haven't won in 40 years. Like, yeah, you should care about it, for sure. I, I would put it, I mean, the other half of this question, I would put it, like, you know, around even with the FA Cup these days. Um, whether it's you... slightly above or slightly below, it's kind of immaterial to me. I, I, you know, either would be great to win as an Everton fan, but ne- neither is as good as the Premier League or the Champions League, surely. Um but it's better than the League Cup or the Charity Shield or whatever else. I, I feel like the Europa League is kind of the barometer at which we use to measure what league is the best league in the world right now, right? So we, we don't, like, Barcelona wins the Champions League, but who what team won the Europa League because those are the middle table teams uh that you know are are they winning it if they're from spain then spain has the um the the best league in the world right so like um so you know for for george you know maybe west ham could uh bring uh some honor on into into the premier league as well by winning it they're not going to win it but you know the honorable premier league right dan anything anything else to add 
either on yeah. on why George should care or like relatively how important is Europa League to you? I mean, I think I, I agree with what these guys have said. Obviously, Champions League higher, Premier League higher. I'd say FA Cup higher, but then this is right below the FA Cup in terms of you know Community Shield, League Cup, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's like the f- you know fourth biggest trophy available, I guess, for an English team. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, the reason you should care, this is the reason that I love the Europa League, uh, is because you end up playing against these teams and you see names and you're just like, it's so much fun to be like, oh, Raul Albiol? He's on Villarreal <laughs> now, huh? Huh, that's, oh, Alberto Moreno. That's fun. I know that <laughs> name. And you just go through. Like, uh, who's on Lech Poznan that we all should know? Anyone? Anyone? They were in the uh, Europa League last year. I don't know if Poznan was in again. But I have no idea. Aaron Johansson. You oh, show hey. up in, in oh, Poznan? Sure. And you're like, oh, hey, there's Aaron, the Icelandic American. <laughs> you know, it's the, this is by it's far for me the best part. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. It's just so much fun to be like, oh, that's where that guy is. That's funny. I figured he didn't exist anymore. <laughs> Turns out he he's actually playing at a very high level, just not in a league that we follow very closely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. I love the Europa League uh, for that reason. I have a very hard time following it until like the final otherwise. Yeah. But uh, I really do love like scrolling through, you know, and there are like 80 of them a week. Yeah. There's so many Europa League games. And you scroll through and you just look for names you recognize. It's great. I love it. I, love I also, it. I always, I always think of Mike on uh, Europa League because Europa League plays on, uh, I believe, Thanksgiving Day. Um, and so you'll be able to get a, a, a soccer game in on uh, on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. So it's more American than that. Exactly. I was going to say actually the opposite thing from Dan. The the at the there's been the last four years they've started giving a player of the tournament for the Europa League, which they didn't before that. And the four winners of that are Pogba, Griezmann, Hazard, and Lukaku. Those are four like yeah, those are a big names. plus top top names. So I don't know who it's going to be this year. Maybe it'll be some dude from Villarreal that no, none of us have heard of. But The guy um, that scores all the goals, apparently. Yeah, that none of us have heard <laughs> of. Somehow none of us know. Yeah, yeah. so uh, probably he's that's not, He's not from end, Nashville? I'm just saying, West Ham fan, like, as a West Ham fan, you're going to get to play some players who are very, very good elite, elite, elite players, but just for whatever reason, their team's having a down year, you know? Yeah. Also, it's also fun. Like, you get to go play in Europe in the midweek. Yeah, like 100%. Why would why wouldn't you love that? I mean, you know? I, I feel like, like after the U.S. didn't qualify for the Olympics, Dan, you, you were you made a point of like, I'm upset because I want my teams to win, and they don't play that much. And I feel like with yeah. with West Ham, I mean, yeah, is it possible that West Ham could win a Premier League or an FA Cup? Yes, it is possible. It feels highly unlikely. It's probably also unlikely that they could win a Europa League, but feels just a little bit more possible. Like Villarreal won this year. They're, you know, kind of a West Ham-ish size club. You could have a European medal. That's, like, not impossible, George. So, you know, just care. At least it's another roll of the dice. Yeah. The concern, I think, the flip side, is that if you've got all these games and you've got the travel, it's going to make the Premier League that much harder. Are you concerned, Mike, about West Ham flirting with relegation if they're also trying to balance? Because that's... I don't think they're going to win the Premier League, so we don't have to worry about them, like 
losing their edge in terms of winning the Premier League, probably not even getting into the Champions League, right? The thing they should be worried about is slipping way down the table and making that bit nervous. Is that a concern for West Ham? I mean, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but how many teams that have played in Europa have actually been relegated? I'm going to guess the answer is zero, one. I don't know, not a lot. So my thought is like, I would rather have my team take a risk and have something good come and there be a very small chance that something bad happens than just keep on having the same year every year where we finish somewhere between 8th and 15th. Like, just, exactly. just go for it one year. You know, likely if West Ham does get relegated, that very small chance, they'll probably be back in the Premier League in a few years. They could do a Leeds United, but then, <laughs> hey, that means that they'll probably win the championship in, you know, five to ten years later, and that'll be something else to be excited about. So basically, this is a win-win for George. But that's, I mean, that's that's usually the issue with West Ham anyway, right? Like, so they're always, they tend to always be vying or battling for relegation. So it's a very real possibility that, that they could. I think that the the one time that I feel like uh, Leicester kind of um, flirted with relegation after they had won the Premier League and they played in the Champions League. They made it. I can't remember how far they made it, but I feel like they played pretty well and they made it a little further than expected, especially since they were like battling uh, the uh, rele- relegation at the time. Um, but if anything, it just provides more money and more looks, and you know you can uh, hire Unai Emery and he'll win you a Europa League final. That's great. That's what he does. I'm just saying that since West Ham has been back in the Premier League, they've finished between seventh. And and sixteenth every year except for this year where they finished sixth. So they might have been flirting with with relegation, but you know they're usually okay. So let's just yeah. let's go for it, George. Life's too yeah, short to not root for the not root for your team in the Europa League. For yeah, sure. bet the for over, sure. George. Bet the over. And and the 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 case of Europa League success that you're worried about is Fulham Europa League final, then getting relegated a few years later or. Maybe it was not even. I don't think it was that year, but they've been. They're back. That's all I'm saying. At the end of the day, didn't they didn't do a leads? They're also. I mean, just not that we need to spend a bunch more time on this. Colin, your point about you'll play good players. You'll also play good teams. There are always huge teams that end yeah, up in their Europa played, League, right? Inter yeah. Milan drops in. Manchester United won it, right? Like or didn't win it, lost in the final. But not only do you get the chance to play against these good players, but like legitimately massive clubs that you can come up against also European nights at in Milan. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Also, Fulham the year after they came runner up, they finished eighth in the premier league, which is one of their highest finishes ever. So there you go. You know, George, you've only got things to gain. (laughs) All right. That was the only email soccer thread at gmail.com. A uh, lot going on this week in the world of soccer. We got to talk about the Champions League final, though. Uh, Chelsea win one nil on a Havertz goal. Amazing uh, a pass to set it up. Yeah. Uh, really direct coming from the goalkeeper through. Oh, geez, I should know Mason who Mount. provided the assist. I think Mason Mount. Mount to and then Havertz slid in. Yeah. Um, and that was the only goal of the game. Uh, this one, you know, the cliche thing is a uh, game of two halves. But really a game of two halves for me. Um, Palmer, how do you think the setup, did you like it? Were you surprised by anything that happened here? I was like shocked at how open the, the first half seemed. Like it felt, it did not feel like a final in the first, the first half. It's, it 
was end to end. Both teams, both teams had chances. Um, <clears throat> you know, Chelsea was obviously able to capitalize on theirs, uh, and you know, City didn't. I, there were a lot of like last ditch slide tackles that saved goals, probably in the first half for uh, for Chelsea, um, and then in the second half it was. It, Chelsea just seemed to be able to shut it down. I can't remember a clear-cut opportunity for for City um, at least until the 88th minute, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just shocked again, you know. It's uh, Pep not being able to finish um, in a final, which is um, a, a little surprising. Mike, is it surprising? I mean, does Pep have a history of losing in finals? I know he hasn't won a Champions League in 10 years, but I'm pretty sure this is the first actual final he's gotten into. That's, and, that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair And I point. think the the real story here, it's fun to talk about Pep because he's a big name, but Tuchel since taking over Chelsea, he's beaten Pep, I think, three times. He's beaten, he's beaten everybody. Like, Chelsea have been incredible under him, and maybe they haven't been super fun to watch, but they've been very tight in the back, um, and they've scored when they needed to. And, you know, I think when we think about how Chelsea was looking kind of midway through the season under Lampart, they were looking, you know, very kind of average for a big club. And he came in and clearly knew what he was doing. He lost the Champions League final last year at PSG and then comes back this year and and wins it with the new club. So, I mean, for me, that's the story. You can always say could have, would have, should have with City. But, you know, I don't think it's it's a, a failure any more than the normal failure failure to win a cup final. Turns out running around with uh, tennis balls is uh, just great, great managing. Is everything. Colin, do you agree that uh, the hypothetical coulda, woulda, shoulda is is worthless, or do you think Pep has something to answer for here? Uh, no, I mean, I think that Pep has something to answer for. I think that it it falls into a pattern for him of maybe like over-tinkering or overthinking in big games and that's what and then city go out in those games whether those games are in the semi or in the quarterfinal or whatever he he tries something a bit too experimental or that seems you know experimental to everyone on the outside at least and it doesn't it doesn't work right here he played Gundawan as the holding mid which he hasn't done hasn't played without his two holding mids basically ever i think this season and played sterling up top that's a weird lineup uh, if it works, you're a genius. If it fails, you got to take the heat. It failed. Like you didn't score at all. You got to take the heat. Um, so he also stuck with it so long. I, I think though, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on Pep's tactics, but if Tuchel beat him twice, presumably with like Rodri in the lineup with a traditional holding midfield and he does the same thing and he loses again, then the story is, well, you tried this before it, it didn't work twice. Why would you try the same thing? So I, I get what you guys are saying, but I also feel like, well, he's got to try something different, whether it's getting rid of a holding midfielder, maybe that's the wrong move, but you can't just keep doing the same thing that hasn't been working. Sure, sure. I, I totally agree with you, but we, he did something else that didn't work. So his job is to pick something that does work, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair, but like, um, I I love to pile on Pep as well, but... I think that we also have to take into account that KDB came, was uh, subbed out because of injury in like the, I don't know, 60th minute, right? So, and I thought that he was playing well and, and um, you know, was seeing that 
I think creating some opportunities here and there. Um, so who knows? I mean, that, 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 that's a big, um, substitute, uh, in a, in a huge game that, you know, he had to make a tactical switch, um, on the fly. Um, I, you know, I, I think that like, it just, it just didn't see it. It felt the first half felt wide open, which I don't know if that plays into city's hands or Chelsea's hand, but like, as soon as the second half, Chelsea seemed to like, just shut it down. Um, and Tuchel made, I think some pretty, uh, surprising changes like bringing on Christian Pulisic, um, to, to finish the game, uh, in a one zero game with 70 minutes or in, in the 70th minute. Like that's an interesting decision that I feel like, uh, you know, was part of the game plan. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Pulisic in, in the 70th. Um, you know, it's just, it's the old adage, like, uh, is Tuchel making Chelsea 10% better or is Pep making city 40% worse? And I, I mean, I don't think they're 40% worse, but, um, I don't know if, if either of these guys got out, out managed. I think it was just Chelsea just played better. Well, I mean, Chelsea's been like, for as much as we kind of, at least I think about them right now as like, Oh, not a very good team or not like an elite team. They're actually just like overperforming in this champions league. They battered some really good teams on the way to this final. They bat, they dominated Atletico Madrid over two legs. Yep. Beat Porto, uh, dominated Real Madrid over two legs. Yep, like it, it's not some kind of like one-off fluke. Like the last right. time Chelsea won the Champions League, it felt much more like a one-off fluke. Things yep. set up well for them. Blah blah blah. They got the right matchups. You end up in the final. Anything can happen. This no, I think that Chelsea does 100% deserve this title. It's not. It was not handed to them by Pep by some experimental lineup or something. Right. Mike, what do you think the difference was between the first half and the second half? I mean, like Palmer's saying, first half, uh, Colin, this is going to go to you. First half, a little more open, more exciting, more chances on goals. Second half just got a little more, uh, I don't know, plotting. It was a little less interesting. Is that just game states? Chelsea sitting in a little deeper, trying to protect the lead? Like, what is, or is that just final? Like, things eventually, they, things tighten up. I mean, how'd you read it? Yeah, I think that's that's just game states, right? Like, that's just a good team uh, being in the lead and knowing that, yeah. you know, this is how you defend. This is how you end up with the result. You take their chances when they come. They still have that chance with Pulisic, um, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But you keep it tight. That's And I think that's good managing, right? Like, they're, to me, Chelsea, both these teams really, are – experienced well-drilled teams that don't make a ton of stupid mistakes um and that's sometimes good soccer is not attractive soccer i uh, i think i mean dan you you and i were uh you mentioned that that the goal from chelsea because you know i figured that there were goals like city has goals in them right so that goal from chelsea i feel like chelsea was was going to be more prone to being like uh let's play for a draw and and get this to penalties and you know from there no one knows right um and as soon as chelsea scored you said 
that's great for this game. That's going to open this game up even more. And it was an open game to begin with anyway, right? So it was just like, yes, this is going to be a great final. Uh, and then as soon as the second half kicked off, we both were like, well, um, I guess... It's never happened. I guess yeah. that's what this game is going to be, right? Um, and so it just... It, it, become, it turns into a final. It just becomes a little bit more pragmatic. Um, and I think that that's what, what happened with Chelsea, right? Everything was on the break for them. Um, and it's tiki-taka, Man City, like move the ball in tiny little triangles. And Tuchel has that uh, system figured out. Yeah, you keep that 30 yards from goal. It's fine. They're comfortable with that. Uh, so Pulisic wins the Champions League. He did have a great opportunity. Uh Mike, should he have scored there? Or was that, you know, he's a top-level player. It's a, it's a difficult opportunity. Should we have expected more, or uh, should we cut him some slack? I mean, I think it is both a difficult opportunity. It's not like a sitter, but you should be scoring there, I would say. You'd, you'd want, you know, your attacking player to score there. Uh, but as cool as it would have been for him to have scored in a Champions League final, uh, you know, he's still the first American man to play in a Champions League final. Um, and it was, it was, I don't know if cool is the right word. It was like somewhere between cool and funny that after the game, he like put on his U.S. men's national team hoodie and was uh, parading around. I, I don't know. That just kind of like, it, it felt a little bit weird to me, but you know, I'm, it's cool, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's the flag a, is the usual move. Usually, yeah. you got a flag, you wear it like a cape. I'm not sure why the hoodie with the crest. Yeah, was the, the hoodie's a little weird. Yeah. It did feel like it was a little JV. It was a little JV. Yeah. But <laughs> He'll learn. He'll get Loved there. it though. Loved yeah. it. I mean, it's a it's a definitely a big deal for like an American man to to get that club title. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you'd ask me five or ten years ago, like when will we see an American win? I don't think I would have said so soon. So yeah, is it that big of a deal? Is it? I mean, like, there's there are there are European players that win the Champions League every year that their country is not insanely successful, um, you know, on the world stage, right? So like, is it that big of a deal? Like he's just good. We just we we tend to um, emphasize like individual cl- like your success uh, globally versus your success internationally. Is it that big of a deal? Like how does this translate? If in a hypothetical world no other American wins the Champions League in forty years, we'll probably look back and be like, oh, one off. Yeah, we had this guy. He was either really really good or he just was in the right place at the right time. He won. Not a big deal. But presumably, in the rest of our lifetimes, we will see more Americans win and play bigger and bigger roles. And, you know, many of them may say something along the lines of, wow, you know, I was an eight-year-old baseball player, and then I saw Pulisic win this, and, you know, now I want to play soccer and shit like that. So There are no eight-year-old baseball players. Baseball players are all 80 now. Don't you follow the demographic? I'm an (laughs) 80-year-old baseball player, and then I decided to switch up and become an 85-year-old soccer player. So, I, I mean, I think, and, and he kind of referenced this in one of his post-game interviews, and you can say, like, how much of that is true or not. But I, I think to an extent, like, we were all kids at one point, and we were all, you know. Speak for yourself. <laughs> true. 
I, well, it's true. I've never actually seen any of you as kids, but I was definitely a kid at one point, and you yes. definitely had athletes. You've seen all of us as kids. We were children. Okay. Uh, I believe you, Dan. Uh, but, you know, you're growing up, and, you know, we all were playing in, in you know, the uh, – the street, you know, like playing basketball on the street or whatever. And you'd all say MJ or, you know, you'd all emulate or look up to certain athletes. And I think having a player like reach that step just makes him more of someone that kids in the U S will want to emulate as opposed to like other players. I mean, you're right, Palmer at the end of the day, it's not like the be all end all, but I think every little, little achievement kind of matters. Colin is like, put some respect on Rafer Alston's name right now. Exactly. I was definitely Skip. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Colin was never a child. Was Conte officially the man of the match in this one? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was. Hands down. He was great. I saw his his heat map has like three very distinct bright spots on it, which are like, and then the heat map was annotated helpfully for me. Uh, that was like in this phase of the game, his job was to be here in this phase, <laughs> and it was just like, oh yeah, uh, he clearly like was, and the like three bright spots not in the same part of the field at all. Different phase of the game had different responsibility all over the place. Uh, very impressive. Should Conte be in the discussion for the Ballon d'Or? Uh, I mean, he seems to win some big trophy every single year. He is the heart of every team that he's on. Uh, Maybe he doesn't win enough trophies in a single year. Like that's a thing that a non-forward needs to do. You know, like uh, uh, the Croatian guy, the Luka Modric, 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 right? You need to like win multiple things and be. I don't know, but like he just feels to me like somehow he's he's under uh, undervalued, even though we talk about him all the time and love yeah. him so much. I feel like this is a Colin question. I mean, I, I think that Blondor voting skews towards forwards, right? And then if not, the only other way you can win it is to be the figurehead of exactly what you're saying, a, a, te- a club team that has great success and your country has great success in the same year. Um, Chelsea didn't do that this year, right? If N'Golo Conte played for City and they won the league and the Champions League, and this is a in between year for uh, international competitions, he had a, he would have a real shot. I think he is absolutely a blonde or quality guy, at least, you know, top three, whether he wins it in any individual year depends on other people, but he should be in the conversation. I think every year for the past five years or whatever, um, but it's just too formulaic or political. I don't know what, what the right word is for that, but like, I think for the past five years or something, maybe, Maybe since he validated his performance by doing it again at Chelsea, I'd say. If you said um, you're going to take one player and and that's like start your team with one player uh, and N'Golo Conte was your first pick, he'd be a defensible pick. You know, maybe other, you know, other people would say, oh, I'm picking Messi or whatever. Like, yeah, there are other defensible picks as well, but he's been a defensible first pick overall in world yeah. soccer for four years now. So the fact that he's never in that conversation, um, yeah, is I, I do think he's underrated still. I mean shit, Chelsea Chelsea's out here trying to get Harry Kane and they're offering players for Harry Kane. Uh I'll take N'Golo Conte. Give me give me N'Golo Conte. <laughs> no, not on your life. <laughs> I, I feel like Conte is kind of having a he's kind of having a moment in the sense that I, I feel like um 
He's having a decade. He's having a moment since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a moment in terms of people really recognizing how good he is. And I think people have always known there was a similar thing with McAuley after he left Real Madrid, where Real Madrid won, I think, three Champions Leagues with him. And then they're like, we don't need this guy. Let's get rid of him and bring in, you know, Beckham and Ronaldo. And then they didn't do as well. And everyone was like, whoa, actually, this McAuley guy might have been really the, the glue that held it all together. And I think when you look at everything that Conte's won at different teams, different club teams with the French team, it's starting to be like, oh, you know, actually, all these other players haven't been so successful. He's probably the most successful player in terms of just winning stuff. Um, maybe he's actually the best guy. And and so I think especially if France wins the Euros this year, that to me feels like, you know, he, he has a shot. And I agree, like, this award's meant for forwards and goal scorers. But right. every once in a while, you know, there's not really a clear other guy to win it this year. Like, maybe Lewandowski, but, you know, Bayern didn't win the Champions League this year. Like, Messi and Ronaldo were both still very good, but they're not at their heights. It just feels like he might be able to squeak in. But... I mean, but this award is meant for for stats, right? Like, yeah. Modric won the award because he, he wasn't scoring a lot, but he was assisting on a lot of things, right? Well, and his stats were, in, were measured in titles that year. And, and, and he had a lot of trophies, right? But the things that Conte does just don't show up on a, on, a, on a stat sheet. Like, you can't... There must be stats like, for this now, though. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, interceptions, but, right. balls recovered, I mean, I mean, tackles, and I think won, distance that, covered. We talked about Premier this. He like, player of the season already. He won Premier League player of the right. season in 2017. Like, this isn't his first moment, and he yeah. can win awards. People can vote for him, you know? Yeah. And, and we talked about this the other week with Neymar and how his stats just... They're never going to be like Messi and Ronaldo. And yeah. so... You know, I think with Messi and Ronaldo kind of returning to the norm and like, yeah, Lewandowski had a great year, but not not a year that ever hit the heights of the highest of the highs of Messi and, and Ronaldo. It's like, yeah, let's just give it to let's give it to Conte. Everybody loves him. No one out there is like starting a campaign to not give it to Conte. Right. I just feel like it's it feels possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it feels it feels very possible. I love I love Messi and Ronaldo returning to the norm, which just means that they're aging. Yeah, it just means that they're both scoring the most goals in their domestic leagues, but not by a lot. Right. <laughs> just by normal human amounts. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that got me to look up Lewandowski. Uh, he did break Gerd Müller's Bundesliga goal-scoring record this year, right? He had 41 in the league, which yeah. is wild. 48 overall. He had 55 total goals last year. Uh, the guy puts in goals... Numbers. Messy numbers. Yeah, those, yeah, it's a trash league, though. <laughs> Farmers league. <laughs> um, there you go. Champions League final. Christian Pulisic. Congratulations, Zach Steffen. Uh, for just a second there, Zach Steffen looked like he could have seen some playing could time. Could have. Uh, yes. Yeah. Should have been red. Came out. Could have been red. On the goal, the uh, Havertz could have taken a dive. Steffen uh, saving that. Gone. I'll go to my grave saying Steffen saving that. Obviously. <laughs> Uh, in other actual game news, U.S. men's national team had a friendly today against Switzerland. Uh, I listened to a the I think it's actually the official U.S. soccer podcast had Greg Berhalter on this week, uh, talking about his strategy over this coming set of games. Because uh, Greg saying, won't come on this podcast, the coward. Coward, yeah, absolute coward. <laughs> debate me, debate me, Greg. <laughs> uh, 
saying he he wants to use these set of games as a uh, kind of a dry run for the World Cup qualifying in the fall, where you're going to have three games back to back to back coming off a weekend game in Europe. So that's why they want to play in Europe, kind of emulate that weekend game, and then travel and have a midweek game in the States, uh, which I thought was interesting. Kind of nice from Greg to see his... Uh, he was very open about his thought process about the kind of the uh, logistics and how they, they're setting up for this. Um, that said, obviously, the game in Europe also, uh, to some extent, matters. U.S. loses 2-1 to one or 1-2 one to two against the Swiss. Uh, we score first, Legette with the first goal, and then Colin, we give up Colin's a couple of others. Colin's He's not bad. right now. He's not bad. Um. Colin, pre-pod, you were saying these goals, uh, like none of them really meant anything. Dude, what do you mean by that? Oh, I mean, I just mean like they were weird. Like the legit goal was weird. Uh, like it pinged around and then like just fell on his foot and he just slapped it home. Uh, you got to be there to score it. It's a good finish. You, you can't score more than one goal with that one chance. Uh, but you can't. <laughs> there's nothing like great to see there. Be like, okay, we can reproduce that action. Oh, that was great. Good job. Um, and the same thing with uh, one of the goals that we gave up. There was like um, one that Dest had this weird like back kick on and then Tim Ream should have dealt with. And well, Tim Ream's back there. Like that wouldn't be really the situation. And it was kind of fluky too. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just, as much, A, this is a friendly. So I already disagree with Dan's take that it matters. I, I, it doesn't matter. And right. be like the goals were themselves were fluky. It's it's not about the goals. It's not about the result. It's about kind of everything else, right? Like I, I I like the fact that Greg has this plan. Like I think that's worth as much as the result is is having a plan, even if the plan is is you know you can well, disagree with it or not. How how did the plan look in this game? I mean, it looks like from the starting lineup, pretty strong starting lineup from us. So yeah, I mean, I think Jackson Yule would be. A, a guy who that's, you know, that's not uh, who we'd be starting in a big game. And, you know, Christian Pulisic would be playing in a big game. Um, but, you know, I I think in the that plan that Greg spells out, right, this is the one that's meant to mimic your club game. This isn't the one uh, that we're meant to win because it's, you know, it's the, the World Cup qualifier. That would be back on our side of the Atlantic. So, um in that sense, I, I don't think this is the one we're trying to win. Is we're just trying to get guys to have a simulated game in them, basically. So I, I don't think it matters. I think none of it matters. Wow. Mike? Interesting. Colin the Nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do I think it matters if you win this game? Like, not as much as what happens within the game, you know? And I, I don't think we played great we didn't play terrible we probably deserve to lose but like colin said there were kind of fluky goals at both ends um to me what matters is kind of the individual players and how they look and you know i don't think anyone looked great um i do think you know there's a couple guys who didn't look great which to me were sergeant like he's just not real useful up there um he had a couple kind of half chances that he didn't do anything with I, you know, it was really interesting to see that when this uh, team came out and when, when the camp was announced for the Nations League that they're not taking DK. And the reason was he's out of form, which he hasn't scored in a month or whatever for his club. But, like, Sargent hasn't scored a lot either. And, 
just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that, you know, we don't have a good center forward and then we take the one center forward who's been scoring a decent amount in the last six months and say, we're not going to take him because his form's no good. So I thought Sargent was no good. Um, and then to a lesser extent, I thought Weston was kind of anonymous this game. He did have one really nice pass, but otherwise to me, he just wasn't doing a lot. And then just a lot of guys who were kind of like, I don't know, up and down, not, not great, but not terrible. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not the end of the world, but I'm not going to go as far as Colin over here and say none of it matters. <laughs> I think one of the other things that Greg said in this podcast that I listened to was um, he's excited to kind of like reintroduce the team to the fans and like this is a good time to start getting on the bandwagon and this is, you know, like it all really starts here. And I think that's all right. And I don't think you get many chances to restart again and again before you really start losing people. Uh, So it matters because you can't like losses turn people off. So if this is it, this is our hype. Here we go. Like we're amazing. This is like get on board for the next one, for the next one. We promise the next game is going to be so hot. And I mean like with, you just can't do that that much before people are like, I'm out. I just can't be bothered. With the U.S., there's like so few games that actually matter. You know, we get like whole years go by without games that really matter. And so now we, you know, hopefully we beat Honduras this week and then we get to play Mexico in a game that, you know, matters in the sense it's like not a friendly, uh, even if it's kind of a new made up competition. But it's like, yeah, you got to fucking win those games. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's I what mean, matters. The ones coming up, the ones coming up matter, right? Uh, yeah. This one, a little bit. I mean, so this is actually the point I wanted to make uh, when we we're talking about Pulisic. Does it matter that he won a Champions League? I feel like it doesn't. It matters for all the reasons that Mike spelled out of like this, like thirty years future, like the growth of the game kind of thing. But it absolutely does not matter for the current U.S. Men's National Team. It doesn't mean anything for how good the U.S. men's national team is now. Like, we are still at the level where when we play in Europe, even to a second-tier European side like Switzerland, right? They're not France. 17th ranked right now. Yeah, but that's not... Not a bad team, though. Right, they're not not bad. But they're not France, Spain, England, Portugal, Germany, right? They're the tier below. and But we should be absolutely underdogs in that game. Like, we are not that fucking good, right? Mm -hmm. So... Let's not think we're that good just because Christian Pulisic won a Champions League this week. Um, we're not, and, and so we are who we we are who we thought we were. <laughs> and going back to Concacaf, and we should we those are the games we should be hype about, and, and those are the games we should win, quite frankly. And those are the games that matter. And as a U.S. Men's National Team fan, those are the games I expect us to win. I care about us winning, et cetera, et cetera. We've had varying success in European friendlies in the past. We failed at many of them. It, none of it matters. That's not a bellwether for the team. I'm just saying that we know friendlies don't matter, but there wasn't even a single Swiss player on a Champions League roster this weekend. <laughs> we had two. So if you're going to try and tell me that the U.S. hasn't arrived, I'm going to call you a liar. The other thing that stuck out to me about this, uh, we're ranked number 20 by FIFA right now. Switzerland's number 17. The average age of their roster was like 20 eight and a half or something average age of ours was 23 and a half so uh 
maybe that says something about the how established they are versus how much we're banking on potential. But that's also exciting, yeah. right? Like yeah. we essentially hung in there with a team, a good European team with a bunch of young guys and probably not our best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're at least missing Pulisic. So yeah. I will just say what, one thing that kind of worried me that I'm going to be hoping we don't see a lot in the, the games that matter is like our center backs, Brooks and um, Mark, McKenzie. Mark McKenzie, both, especially Brooks, they both got kind of pulled out of position a lot and then looked really tough in, well, not tough, really bad in one-on-one situations. And I feel like uh, if you're, you know, Honduras and Mexico, you're going to be like, all right, cool. We'll just drop our strikers into the midfield. Either they'll be wide open and get the ball or they'll pull these lumbering center backs out of position and, you know, we'll be on our way. So is is center back like a quarterback for Chicago Bears? Like, is it the position that players <laughs> go to die? Striker? You know, I don't watch football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's U.S. Men's National Team. The game against Honduras, which is really a must-win in uh, you know, all senses. It's a meaningful game. It's a team we should beat. It's at home. It's in Denver. It's at altitude, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is a game we should expect to win Thursday. And then uh, the final of this tournament, I assume, is like the Sunday after. So um, we'll capture that on the next pod. Maybe. What's going on with Josie Altidore? Uh He's tweeting some stuff, seen some uh, some news about him this week. He looks like he's frozen out at Toronto right now. Last we heard from him, he was uh, firing off at Taylor Tillman on Twitter. Uh, every time we hear from Josie, it just seems like it's not, you know, it's it's not like he's scoring goals or uh, earning the captain's armband up in Toronto. He's obviously not with the U.S. national team. I uh, think I think that this is a man dealing with his own mortality. I think exactly uh, what I was going to say. You know, I think that um, there's just there's things happening in Josie's life, and he's starting to realize that he's not as young as he used to be, and or he's not realizing that. Yeah, or well, I mean, maybe, and this is how he's uh, this is how he's acting out. I would tell Josie, you know, embrace the washness, become washed. It's okay. (laughs) Um, There's there, there is life after being washed. It's just a washed life. Uh, but listen, you can get your own podcast and uh, look look where we are right now. You know? <laughs> Hashtag washed life, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. I feel like he's just, he just wants to move. He clearly doesn't want to be in Toronto. Uh, he's, on, he's on big money, so they probably want to get rid of him too. And, you know. No one's taking that money, though. No one's taking that money, and he's just trying to force a move. He's like, you know what? You can pay me $4 million a year and get nothing. You can pay me three and a half million a year and, you know, get 500,000 back. So that's, that's how I'm reading this. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that way too, but I think Palmer's uh, very correct in that uh, Josie, we like a lot of things about him, uh, you know, in his uh, big up, bigging up uh, younger U.S. Men's national team guys, his kind of stances on social issues. Um, but this is one where I think he's he's lost the plot and the fact that like he's he's washed and at least compared to old Josie, he's not going to be old Josie anymore. And I right. think he thinks he's still his old Josie and he thinks he thinking can get a move because other teams will think he can perform like old Josie. But everyone knows that that's not going to happen. He's, he's a guy who's had injury problems 
I mean, acting uh, toxic in like the locker room or whatever for a guy who's that old and already has like an injury reputation on big money. Like there's just too many strikes against you. I think, you know, this could very well, I mean, he could very well have scored, you know, he may score two more goals in his professional career. He could be, he could be done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my question. What's the path out? Does he have a future? What does it look like? He, he needs a lifeline. He needs a lifeline, but yeah. And one may come, Right, there's stupid teams all around the world that keep giving Freddie a do wow. jobs. Right, I, so. listen, I want I want to make this really clear because if this comes across Josie's ears, I'm not saying this shit. <laughs> That's I true. He's want, coming in hot. I on just Twitter want. At us. I just want. I want to <laughs> let. I want to let Josie know that Ryan said that you're washed, but it's okay. Embrace the washedness. We're all washed. We ain't got shit to do. True, Josie, true. you're good. We love you. We but do. You're washed. Look, yes. Uh, all I'm saying uh, is that Josie's 31, which is, it's not young, but it's not that old. Like I was washed at 12, so. Well, you, <laughs> we were all washed. You can be washed at any time. We've I'm been saying- washed for a long time, but it is, it's not inconceivable for him to have, you know, several good years left. Obviously, he's had injury problems, but like, to me, this is just, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else. I want a fresh start. Get me the fuck out of here. I'm tired of playing these games. And, you know, maybe he gets a move and he scores one more goal in his career and he's, you know, mostly injured. But he could also have a move and, you know, go back to being a very productive striker. And neither of those things would surprise me. He's got to, wherever Asamoah Gian is right now, he needs to make that phone call <laughs> and go to uh, Alain or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I think the only way he scores a lot more goals is if he, goes full Il Sino. And he's like, look, I play 30 minutes a game. I'm out of shape. That's what it is. But, like, I can't do more than that or my hamstrings will go. So just play me 30 minutes a game, and every other game I'll score. Josie, you know? come to DC United and play 30 minutes a game for us. I yeah, will love you forever. 30 minutes a game. But you, like, you're only going to get 400000 bucks to do that. Like, you can't be mad that Akinola is starting over you. He's a 90-minute striker, young guy future of the club like you can't be putting you can't be pouting over that you have to accept this new role if he if he does that he absolutely still has value but i'm just betting that he won't do that because of his current actions but maybe there's something there behind the scenes i don't know obviously so did he play in uh turkey for a while yeah Uh, i I think he went on loan there for a year or two 10 years ago maybe he can uh leverage a little bit of name recognition no, he just don't. it feels like he needs to be in like turkey or qatar or like one of these places where you hear people go and get money i feel like you don't turkey, really turkey is where players who should be going to qatar go to end their career without getting a payday <laughs> wow put some respect yeah. on De- uh, deandre yedlin's name <laughs> That's, that's also a surprisingly advanced uh, summary of the the, the hierarchy tiers. of <laughs> world leagues. It's like it's very intricate. Oh man, um, we had some other stuff on the run order that I think is interesting, but we're pretty long already. How are we doing, guys? We gotta go. We're done. The small of I need. The small of I want dinner. Oh, we're pre dinner. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What are you, European? You haven't eaten dinner yet? Not going to give a timestamp, but it's late, even for you. (laughs) Chinchilla, guys. Damn. (laughs)
brought this on yourself. <laughs> yeah, this felt great. Palmer, we got to get you back in the Beaverton Podcast Yeah, studios. 100%. We'll get there. Excellent. Thanks, Cliff. Guys, Thanks, Cliff. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Bye. Bye. lines are more you know how normally when you're talking the lines are kind of like evenly above and below what does it mean if they're more below or more above it means that you are peaking duck dan's a physicist he should know about that isn't it isn't that about sound waves it, yeah it could be that your voice is modulating at exactly the right frequency to only be uh under sampled in such a way that it's not showing up on the bottom half of the graph that's that's a, a possible explanation it sounds wild as fuck but his, his his voice really only has one frequency. It's not a mix of different frequencies. Like he's just a tuning fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not only that, but it's yeah, it's it's one thirty seven or some like high level prime that doesn't sample correctly. Daddy McHale. I don't want to know that. Don't tell him. Above average, slightly above average. <laughs> nah, not on your life. <laughs>